Good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you're here for worship. It's kind of neat. Every week we get we get more and more back to our normal crowds. I think last week we were at 600. You know, our pre-COVID we were over 800 people, and uh, you know, first weeks back after COVID we were like at 300 and whatever, and 400, 500. Now last week was over 600, so we're getting back. Everybody's getting back in the gang, getting back in the swing of things. Uh, this morning, I got some special guests I want to introduce to you. Um, Scott Oliver is the fellow back on the electric guitar. Uh, he and I have known each other now for about 14 years uh, because of uh, working in churches, and he helps churches get their get their electronics and things right. He's responsible for us getting our sound system, our lighting system. Uh, he actually physically built these boxes here, these um, these speaker boxes here. I'm sorry, monitors, monitors. He physically designed, they're his own design. He could tell you, he could talk for hours about the uh, the design and everything. But anyway, uh, that's Scott Oliver, and he is has, has quite prowess. He will wow us with his prowess on his electric guitar. He's a great player. And his wife, he said, I can't wait for you to hear my wife sing. And so that brings me to Tara, the better half of this, this duo. <laughs> Tara, I'll... Oliver, anyway, that's another story. T- Tara Oliver uh, is with us this morning, and uh, and so for a long time I've been wanting them to come lead worship, and they live in Hendersonville, Tennessee, uh, out there just past uh, Nashville, just a little bit. And anyway, so they uh, drove over this morning bright and early, and so there you go. Now you're all caught up with everything. Let's do some singing. Will you stand with me and let's sing together? He keeps me singing. within my heart a melody Jesus, Jesus, Jesus sweetest name I know fills my every singing as I go. All my life was wrecked by sin. Jesus wept across the broken strings, stirred my stumping heart again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. singing as I go on the last stanza soon he's coming back to welcome me far beyond the starry skies I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown I shall reign with him on high go on you sing it Jesus 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 sweetest Fills my every longing, keeps me singing. Go, amen. 
be seated. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're so glad that you are here to worship with us this morning. And as we continue to worship, I want to read to you Psalm 100. It says, let the earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his faithful love endures forever, his faithfulness throughout all generations. As we worship today, I just wanna give you a couple things that I'd like you to pray for, uh, a couple things to celebrate. Right now, we are in um, a thing called Merge. It's a six-week premarital counseling workshop that we do. We have seven couples that are in merge right now. So we want to take a moment to pray for them. These are young couples in and, and not yet a part of our church uh, that say, hey, we want to get invested into, into our young marriage. We want to make sure we're prepared and ready for this. I just want to ask you to pray for them. And then also two months ago, we preached a message about being faithful in evangelism. And we asked that you would have people who do not yet know the Lord that you'd pray for and at least one person that you're actively sharing the gospel with right now. And what I've loved is over the past two months, I've had people text me and say, hey, Jake, 
my one is coming to church today or pray for me, I'm about to have coffee with my one. So I just wanna hold that out in front that, hey, we're two months into this year. How are you doing? And how can you continue to pray for your one? So if you're a guest with us here today, I just want you to know we're glad you're here. Uh, We've prayed for you. Um, And one thing that we'd ask is that there's a guest registration card located there in the pew rack. If you could take that and fill it out. At the end of our service, if you could go to the Welcome Center, just out these double doors and to the left, our pastor, Dr. Cox, will be there. He'd love to meet you. You hand that card to him, and he has a small gift for you for coming and being part of our worship service today. Um, But that's a great time for you to connect with him, introduce yourself and your family. He'd love to meet you. As we continue to worship, though, let's, let's take a moment. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we want to lift up these seven couples to you. God, we thank you for them. We thank you for the investment our church is making in their lives and in their future marriage. God, as we hold out the gospel in our community, I pray for the people that are heavy on our hearts right now that we would call our ones, the ones that we're praying for and actively sharing the gospel with. God, may you be faithful and use us in your kingdom. Father, as we continue to worship you this morning, meet with us, encourage us, build us up, Lord, and send us out. We ask this all in Jesus' good name. Amen.
sung it one time and of course about Wednesday I thought we need to do that song so I contacted Tara Tara you can, would y'all be seated I called, contacted Tara said you want to learn a song you know so she's she's going to do this song today with about four days practice so she's doing a great job of it too she, we've, of course we've, we've done it two other three other times this morning including practice so, uh, great song just reminds us that there is no one like Jesus. There's never been anyone like Jesus. There never will be anybody like Jesus. And it's to him and for him that we sing and we worship today. Amen. Feel free to sing along with us.
Jesus, we love you, ever adore you. Jesus, we love you, ever adore you, the prettiest little song. Uh, as I was uh, kind of figuring out what we were going to do this week, uh, I, I got on their Facebook just to hear what, they, what they're doing. And on Tara's Facebook page, I, I found her singing the song with her ukulele. Or if you're from Hawaii, it's ukulele. 
not Hawaii, but Hawaii. Uh, she called me earlier. I said, Hawaii? She said, you mean Hawaii? <laughs> anyway. Hawaii. Ukulele, yes. Ukulele, yes. So uh, I said, would you please sing that? I think our folks will love this song. You're going to know it, uh, but you're going to love the way this is done. So Tara, take it away. Uh, your other friends at the other com, uh, gathering that I grew up in Hawaii. Uh, my dad was a commercial fisherman, and when you grow up in Hawaii, they make you learn the ukulele in fourth grade. And I'm very grateful to this day because I still play it, and I get it out, and I learn uh, praise and worship songs and all kinds of different songs. And I encourage anyone who's been thinking of it, please do, because it's such a good hobby and habit. It makes you concentrate and think of stuff, and you can do so much praise and worship on your ukulele. Just a little PSA for ukulele um, stores, I guess. But anyway, (laughs) this is called Peace in the Valley, and of course it's done with the ukulele, and the ukulele always makes things happier and more fun. So um, you're probably used to hearing this slow, but we're going to play it today like this. Here we go. I'm tired and so weary, but I must go along till the Lord comes and calls, calls me away. Oh, yeah. Well, the morning is so bright, and the Lamb is the light, and the night, the night is as dark as the sea. Oh, yeah. There will be peace in the valley for me someday. There will be peace in the valley for me, Lord, I pray. There'll be no sadness, no sorrow, no trouble, trouble I see. There will be peace in the valley for me. I hear you guys singing along. Now, come on, let's sing it up together. Well, the bear will be gentle, and the wolf shall be tame, and the lion shall lay down, down with the lamb, oh, yeah. And the beast from the wild shall be led by a child, and I'll be changed, changed from this creature that I am. Come on. There will be peace in the valley for me someday. There will be peace in the valley for me, Lord, I pray. And there will be no sadness, no sorrow, no trouble, trouble I see. There will be peace in the valley. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, musicians, for leading us. Good morning. It's good to see you today. We're glad that you're here. I want to share a couple of things about our church with you. 
First of all, I'd like to take a moment to thank those who are involved in upward basketball and cheerleading. This past week, we had three awards nights, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Shonda Hensick, who uh, leads our program of Upward, divided them up this year because of COVID. And so instead of one, and it was a good thing, because we probably had more people than we could have gotten in our facility in one uh, night. So um, had over 200 people each of the nights, over 600 people here. And so I had the opportunity to share the gospel and give an invitation at each of those three Upward Awards nights. And so we had a total of six people accept Christ as their Savior in those events. We praise God for that. Amen. <laughs> had some parents, as uh, several of them were parents. And then I have appointments with three other families to talk with their children about uh, becoming Christians. So if you were a coach or a referee or a game day coordinator or a... Uh, scoreboard keeper or whatever role you serve, thank you for giving up your Saturdays, investing in the lives of kids and investing in the kingdom and uh, eternity will be different because of your sacrifice and commitment. I want to also invite you to be a part of our intercessory prayer ministry. We are signing up volunteers, uh, annual re-enlistment at the Welcome Center. You could go by after our service and there is a sheet for each day of the week. And what we do in that is we ask people in our church to commit to pray at a specific time slot, specific hour, once each week for 15 minutes. Would you pray for our church and, our, and the kingdom of God one time a week for at least 15 minutes in that designated hour? And we believe in the power of prayer. And we'll give you prayer requests and then a weekly update, so you'll know some things to pray for in our church. And so um, all those sign-up sheets are at the Welcome Center. And we are looking to have somebody praying for our church every waking hour of the day. We especially have open slots in the afternoon. There, there are a few morning, a few night slots. But mainly what is left, we have 80 uh, or 90 people already signed up, is afternoon, folks. So maybe you're a kid. Uh, who gets off from school and you come home, one time a week, would you, you have an afternoon free? Would you pray? Would you sign up? Kids? Students? Uh, maybe you're, a, you're retired and you could do that in the afternoon. So we especially need some folks in the afternoon. But there are other time slots available there. Would you consider going by and looking at that and praying for our church once a week? We appreciate that so much. It'll be great for you. It'll be great for the kingdom of God. Many people today have a sense of emptiness in their lives. Perhaps you do. A lack of fulfillment or sense of purpose or meaning. Sometimes that emptiness is reflected in the music and the art of our culture. For example, John Cage uh, was a, an American composer, born 1912, died 1992, and Cage believed that life was random. Everything's just by chance. And so he composed some of his music to reflect his beliefs. For example, he would compose a piece of music and flip a coin to see what note should come next. Because life is just random, so music should be random. Or he would have two conductors conducting the same orchestra at the same time, side by side, with a partition between them so they couldn't see the other, and just to see what would come out of that, because life is just random. But Cage said that his 
most important work was a composition that he did entitled 433. And it is 4 minutes and 33 seconds of silence. I've watched a YouTube uh, concert of it. You could go on YouTube and watch one. And there are musicians there. And they get their instruments up. And then for 4 minutes and 33 seconds, they don't play anything. And they put their instruments down. And everybody stands up and applauds. I've, I've talked to Todd about maybe getting our band to do that sometime. I don't know if they could do that. That'd be good. Well, do you get the point of it? The emptiness. He's saying through his music, life's empty. There's no meaning. There, there's no direction. Cage said he got the idea from his friend Robert Rauschenberg, who's an artist. And Rauschenberg took white house paint and a paint roller and he rolled it on canvases <clears throat> and then hung the canvases up in art galleries. That was his art. And people would stand, you know, stand there, hmm, and try to interpret what that meant. And it's, it's just a blank canvas. Is life just a blank canvas, four minutes and 33 seconds of silence? The Bible says that if you feel life is empty and random and without purpose, you can find meaning through a relationship with God. That's what you were created for. And the way to have a relationship with the one true living God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus, that fulfills that need in your life. And so I'm sharing a four-week sermon series entitled Finding Purpose in Life. And we're looking at different aspects of this relationship with God that brings meaning by looking at different biblical phrases. The first week, just to review, I shared with you about the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.33 says, So whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. And we talked about how, would you live your life, I want to glorify God in my life. And when that becomes your purpose, it gives you fulfillment, direction, and meaning. Last week I talked to you about the phrase, the will of God. In John chapter 4, Jesus said to his disciples, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. They were trying to get him to eat something. He said, Oh, I'm, I'm fulfilled. I'm filled full. I'm satisfied because I'm doing the will of God. Would you make the goal of your life not to do your will, but I want to do the will of God. Today, I want to talk to you about the same thing from a little different angle, the biblical phrase, the kingdom of God. Jesus says that if you will make the kingdom of God the centerpiece of your life, that it will bring you fulfillment. The passage where he talks about this is in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. And the context of the verse that I'm about to read to you is Jesus is talking about worry. And he's telling his disciples, you don't need to worry about life. And he gives them several reasons not to worry. He says that worry is useless. He says it will not add one hour to your life or one cubit to your stature. He says worry is faithless. Pagans worry, but you've got a heavenly father who cares about you and cares for you. So he says don't worry. And then he comes to the verse that I want to share, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where he says, there's a better way to live than a life of worry. 
and being consumed about things and money and food and the stuff of life. Here's a better way to live. Here's what he says, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given you as well. So Jesus is calling us to live for the kingdom of God. Now what does the kingdom mean? Let me first of all, as we try to understand what this is that's going to give us direction in life, let's first focus on the word kingdom and try to understand what is the kingdom of God. I define the kingdom of God as being wherever God rules. Wherever God rules, that's his kingdom. So if you're letting God rule your life, the kingdom of God has been set up in your life. Wherever God is allowed to rule, that's where his kingdom is, where King Jesus rules. So as Jesus talks about the kingdom, he talks about it being both present and future. Two aspects. In one sense, the kingdom is here now because Jesus at his first coming has brought the kingdom. Let me read to you a couple of verses that talk about the present dimension of the kingdom that you can experience the kingdom right now in your life. In Luke 11, verse 20, Jesus said, If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus came to earth to reestablish the Father's kingdom, to take back the territory from the devil upon earth. And he came casting out demons. And he said, if I'm casting out demons and you see evidence of this, then it's evidence to you that the kingdom of God has come upon you. I have come bringing the kingdom and I'm setting it up here. He said also in the, another one more passage I'll read to you about the present dimension of the kingdom right now is in Luke 17 20 once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come Jesus replied the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed nor will people say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is in your midst or within you so Jesus said now the kingdom is largely invisible No, you see it a little bit right now in the church. The church is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. You're here because you have some allegiance to Jesus the king, perhaps. But it's largely invisible. It's not observed in power structures. It's in your hearts. If you'll allow Jesus, if you'll get off the throne of your life, and you allow Jesus to occupy the throne of your life, then his kingdom will come in your life with its benefits. But Jesus also talked about the kingdom being future. There's a future fulfillment when it is going to be visible, when it is going to be broader than our hearts. So let me read you a couple of places where Jesus talked about the future coming of the kingdom. Matthew 26, 29 is one. After he shared with us the Lord's Supper, Jesus said, I tell you, I'll not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So he said there's come a future fulfillment, another get-together when we're going to have a big banquet and I'm going to drink this with you in the Father's kingdom. So one day the kingdom is going to come in fullness over all the earth. Another expression of that is Revelation eleven fifteen. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. So one day, the kingdom which is largely invisible now, set up in the hearts of believers, will be visible, and the kingdom of the world will become the kingdom of the Lord and of our Messiah. 
So, Jesus said what we need to do is seek the kingdom. Now, what does that mean? How would you do that? I think that word, seek, means to chase. What are you chasing in your life? Or to run after? What are you running after in your life? Let's back up and uh, look at Matthew 6 again, and let me back up and read the two verses before Matthew 6, 33. Let me start at verse 31, and you'll see the contrast. Matthew 6, 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things. The phrase run after is the same root word as the word in verse 33, seek. So pagans seek or run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33, but seek, so but you, same word, run after. Here's what you ought to be running after. You run after or seek or pursue or chase His kingdom. What are you running after in your life? What would it mean for us to chase or to run after the kingdom? I I describe it as being a passion. What's the passion of your life? Do you have any passions? Do you have any things you're passionate about? I know people that are passionate about a lot of different things, don't you? I know guys that are passionate about deer hunting. They eat, sleep, think deer hunting. I know people who are passionate about cars and passionate not just about any car but a particular kind of car in a particular year, 57 Chevys or 64 Mustangs or whatever it may be. That's their passion. I know people who are passionate about politics. CNN or Fox News is on at their house from daylight till bedtime. They eat, sleep, that politics. I know people who are passionate about certain breeds of dogs. I know people who are passionate about every kind of sports team I know people who are passionate. Sometimes we describe our passion by putting an E-I-E at the end of it. Do you know any foodies or techies? They're passionate about that. In Tennessee, you can let everybody know your passion on your license plate. You go to buy your license plate, they'll let you give them extra money, and you can put your passion on the back of your car, a sports team, whatever you're for. You walk into a lot of people's office and you can look around in a moment and figure out what their passion is, can't you? It says, Vol for Life up there in big letters, you know? And you know what their passion is. Or there's 17 f- framed photographs of grandchildren there. You know what their passion is. They're passionate about their grandchildren. What's the passion of your life? Jesus says, are you passionate about the kingdom? Now what characterizes a person's passion? Let me give you some factors that I think go into being having a passion or chasing something or running after it. First of all, I think you think about your passion. What are you thinking about? Second, I think that you hunger to know more about your passion. Turkey hunters watch videos on how to call turkeys. There's, there's a hunger to know more. You're reading something. You're, 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 you're trying to find out more about it. You gravitate toward people who have the same passion. 
you're in a Facebook group, you're in a club, you go to car shows, you gravitate toward people who have the same passion. You allocate resources to your passion. That's why Hobby Lobby and Bass Pro Shop exist. You spend time on your passion. You want to tell other people about your passion. Right? So let me ask you. Does any of this characterize your relationship to the kingdom of God? Are you telling anybody about the kingdom? Do you ever talk about it? If not, could it be said that you are pursuing, seeking, running after the kingdom? Do you allocate resources to it? Do you, what do, you, do, you think of, do you ever think about the kingdom and his righteousness? God, how can my life, I want your kingdom, I want, it to, you want you to be king of my thought life, king of my social life, king of my work, king of my family. I want other people to come into me. Do you have a, do you, are you attracted to other people who have that passion? You spend time on that passion? Now, several of these passions that I've identified, there's nothing wrong with them. They're good passions. But do you notice in this verse, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So only one thing can be first in your life. What's your top priority? What's your first passion? You know how you um, identify what your top priority, your first passion is? Because you will sacrifice other things for that passion. Whatever you're seeking first, you'll sacrifice other things in your life for it. Years ago, a couple invited me and Cindy over to, for dinner. We went over to their house for dinner, and the guy wasn't there. And it came time to eat, and the wife served the meal, and we started eating. He still wasn't there. About halfway through the dinner, he came in. He was a bass fisherman. He was fishing. And he told us, he said, when they're biting, I'm not leaving. That, you know... Uh, he's the one who invited us to come, but he wasn't going to be there if the fish were still biting. And so they were biting that day, and he didn't, he didn't show. Well, you understood, uh, you know, there was no question what was first, you know. That, that's okay. That was his first page. We had a, 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 some friends uh, in another city when we lived before, and they lived in the plainest house you've ever seen. They weren't poor. They could have built a house, but they had an unpainted concrete block house with a door in the middle and two windows. They had no lawn. You, gravel went right up there. And they said, the reason we live like this is because our passion is to travel. We're not putting resources into our house. That's just a place to keep us dry. We're traveling the world. And so every year, they'd, they'd go around the world every year to some exotic destination for a month or so. That, you, you knew what they were sacrificing for. You knew what was first what was top? What's your top priority? What's your first in your life? Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That it's the only top priority that will satisfy you. And the benefit will be that all these other things will sort of fall into place, he says. They'll be given to you. C.S. Lewis said, look for yourself 
and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else. And I think that's true. This is the first priority. When I, when I was a kid growing up, we had a small farm. And when I was real young, we were just starting out. We didn't have a, a lot of equipment. We didn't have hay baling equipment yet. So those first few years when I was young, I can remember we cut hay, pitchforked it onto um, a hay trailer or a wagon, and then stacked it into haystacks. That's a lot of hard work. Fortunately, I was too little then to fork that hay up. So they put me on top of the haystack, and as they would fork it up, I would walk round and round and pack it down. But before we started piling the hay up, we put a stack pole in the ground. A metal pipe or a long wooden pole, 10, 15 feet high, planted firmly in the ground, and then you would stack pile that hay around that stack pole and so my job as it got higher and higher was to hold on to that stack pole and to walk around and around and they're forking it up and you're going up 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 pretty good for pretty fun for a kid you know you're going higher and higher 10 12 13 feet in the air and you see the presence of that stack pole you wouldn't think it would make much difference but just the presence of that stack pole will lock that hay together enough that that haystack will stand. If you don't have a stack pole, things will go fine for a while, but then eventually your haystack goes and it slides and falls apart and it won't shed rain. But if you have a stack pole, just the presence of that one thing in the middle will lock it all together. What's the stack pole of your life? What's holding it together for you? Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and it will give stability to your life and hold all things together. Now you may be thinking, well, you know, this sounds like you'd have to be a preacher, minister to do that. No, the people with passions, they're amateurs, right? Deer hunters don't make their living deer hunting. Antiquers don't make their living usually antiquing. It's their, it's their passion. Ordinary people can have a passion for the kingdom. Ordinary people can put the kingdom first in their life and find this fulfillment. Let me tell you a story about one. An ordinary person, in fact a kid, a kid can do this. I want to tell you about a story about a 12-year-old boy named Malachi Russell. Malachi loved soccer, one of his passions. Came home from soccer one day and told his dad that his leg hurt. His parents thought it was growing pains. Put him off for a while. Then took him to the doctor. He had cancer. Rare form of cancer. Given 17 months to live. Would have been understandable for Malachi at that point for it to be all about him, right? You got 17 months to live. You could understand if Malachi sort of turned inward and said, Hey, I want ice cream every day. Uh, you know, Whatever. Malachi didn't do that. Malachi decided that it would be about the kingdom of God as long as he lived. And so he made a list of 17 people 
that he knew that did not know Jesus as Savior, one for every month that he was expected to live. And his goal was going to be that as long as God gives me life, I'm going to share Jesus with those 17 people. Malachi had to be transported for radiation every day in an ambulance. Total of four hours, the trip, the treatment, and back. Malachi witnessed to every ambulance driver, every EMT, every day. Well, let me just let his parents tell you the story. Well, we named him Malachi after the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament. Um, and his name means my messenger. He never met a stranger who's so inquisitive, would talk to anybody and... That was him from day one. I mean, that, that's never changed. Even until he took his last breath, he was always that way. He, Malachi loved sports and he loved soccer. And at night, he started to complain that, he's like, Dad, my leg hurts. So I went to a friend who, you know, has a clinic here and they got finished and the doctor came to the door and he just, you know, he knocked and it's that moment you don't want as a parent where he's like, hey, I need you to come talk to me. So I went down to the office and sat down and he, he just looked at me and he said, there's two to three small masses in the base of his spine. We need you to uh, take him to Atlanta today. But that Saturday morning, they... They had about, was about two and a half, almost three hour surgery. And he just said, like, the likelihood of this being cancer is pretty high. So. That was a very hard moment. I mean, not to just say it as it is, but the average lifespan was 17 months. He was in the hospital for 45 days. And he just immediately, when you go back and you start looking at kind of some of the stuff that he wrote down, Malachi could have just said, like, I'm done. February 2nd, 2019, I said, just let me die. That's what I said. There's no point in laying in a bed doing nothing. My dad said, I'm alive probably today still because I have a story even at age 12. I have a testimony. As parents, you can encourage your kids to do something. But in that situation, he had to make a decision. And he chose how he was gonna walk it out. The Lord has given me so many chances to share the gospel and I'm going to take every chance I can. The world needs Jesus. I want to step my game up because this thing, cancer, it can kill me. So I need to tell as many people as I can. Every day, Monday through Friday, when we would go for radiation, he would have to be transported in an ambulance. And so every day we had two new people that we spent about four hours with. And Malachi shared the gospel every day to those new people. I mean, he would lay in the back of that, on that stretcher in the ambulance. So where are you from and what do you do? But Malachi was just so bold and I think that was kind of one of the gifts of cancer was that it really brought an awareness of life and death. I mean, you get a cancer diagnosis and it's, what do you have to lose? I mean, you know, like really, what, I mean, what do you have to lose? The body of believers at our church is 
amazing. We rolled out the Who's Your One initiative, and that was one of the things that fueled that list. He just literally went through the list of people that he knew that needed Jesus, and I, I'm just going to write them down. I'm going to fight for them. And gosh, for him, he it's, it just took it seriously because he he saw the finish line in front of him. The end of August, we went uh, for a scan, and it had spread to his brain. And so our prayers shifted from, Lord, sustain him, you know, to cheering him on to the finish line. And so when he, when he took his last breath, I just remember thinking, like right now, He's with Christ. Yeah, we we hung on to that passage of in the garden where he's like, take this cup, please take this cup. Um, but if it's your will. And so we just we just drank of whatever the Lord gave us and trusted that the end would be for his glory. So, in the weeks after Malachi's funeral in 2019, kids at his middle school and high school started confessing Jesus as Savior and being baptized because of Malachi's life and testimony. One, and then five, and then a dozen, and then 25. And so one of the students got a big whiteboard, and they just started writing down the name of every student who had heard of Malachi, and had come to confess Jesus as Savior. And more than 100 names fill that board of people who came into the kingdom because of a 12-year-old boy who would have had every right to live a self-centered year and decided, I'm going to live this year by seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And eternity is different because of that. Would you pray with me? Oh God, as we examine today what we are passionate about, what we are running after, what we are chasing, what we are pursuing, what we are seeking, oh God, may we be transformed so that we seek first the kingdom of God. And Lord, if that has not been first in our lives today, we rearrange our priorities. We rearrange our life as Malachi did. We step up our game and say, Oh Lord, I want you to be first and I'll seek your kingdom and your righteousness. Convict us, Lord, that our time is short and eternity is long and that people need Jesus and may that be our passion. And Lord, if there's anyone listening to me who has not bowed their knee and their heart to King Jesus, then I pray right now that they would say to Jesus, I get off the throne of my life. I ask you to occupy the throne. You will be my king. I'll follow your commands. I'll live for you. I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Oh God, hear their prayers. We pray these things for the sake of your kingdom. Amen.
Today, if it's your desire for Jesus to be King and Lord of your life, the next step ought to be baptism, to confess that openly. We have baptism two weeks from today. We have some folks this morning shared with me a desire to be baptized. Meet me at the Welcome Center right after this. If that's your desire, be glad to talk with you, schedule that for you, whenever's best for you. It's up this way toward guest parking. Also, if you want to join our church, you're part of being a passionate as you gather with other people who have the same passion. If you need a church family, we'd love to be that church family for you. You can join today at the Welcome Center. Meet me there. I'll be glad to help you do that. Thank you for coming today. Will you stand with us? Let's sing together. Higher ground. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, and still as I onward bound, but let my feet on higher ground, Lord lift me up and let me stand, my faith on heaven's table. of quick announcements before we close. If you're a guest with us, we'd love for you to have the chance to meet our lead pastor. If this is your first time here, he's got a small gift for you. As you're exiting these doors, you can just head down there to your left and you'll see him uh, there at the welcome desk. That's also the same place that you can sign up for the intercessory prayer ministry if that's uh, something you're interested in. see several announcements in here about things that are taking place going on in the month of March, CDP classes, women's Bible studies. Um, you can walk the Greenway, launch pad, so check those things out in there. I want to just highlight one, uh, and that is camp and uh, the mission trip for middle school and high school. So if you've got a middle schooler, they have a chance to go to a centrifuge camp this summer. And so the deposit for that is due March 14th. That's two weeks away, and that's a $100 deposit. And if you have a high schooler, they have a chance to go on a mission trip to St. Louis 
Um, and that is also, the deposit for that is due also March 14th in two weeks, and that is a $150 deposit for that. So I'll hang out up here for a few minutes if you've got any questions about those, those trips. would love to answer those for you and help you in any way. Uh, that information, uh, the dates of those trips uh, are, is here in the worship guide as well. Let me close this out in prayer. Father God, we thank you uh, for the chance to serve you, for the chance to live for you. And we just pray, Lord, that you help us to be uh, on fire for you, passionate about you and about seeking your kingdom and living our life uh, so that it matters for you. Uh, Father, uh, we thank you as we um, have learned your word today, as we've sung about you, that you are a good father, that you uh, are a God that loves us, that you care for us, you guide us and direct us in our lives. And we just pray that you help us to be faithful uh, to you in all things. Lord, it's in your sons. And we pray. Amen. Thank you.